songs tonight. Appreciate that. If you want to read tonight, you're sure welcome to do so. We'll be in Psalms here tonight. And uh, 33, I believe it is. Psalms 33. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I tell you what. Let's let's read. Let's read eleven verses apiece. We'll just read thirty-three and thirty-four. Okay. Sister Caden, looks like you number one here. That's easy. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good answer. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Amen. Great. Great verse. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike, and considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of a host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Yes, amen. Thank you, brother. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Yes, amen. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no one to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, 
Hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Thank you, my brother. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Even shall I slay the, the, the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Maya, thank you, brother. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn to Colossians chapter 1. And we have been preaching through Colossians with the help of the Lord, and it's been a real help to me. And I like going book to book, verse to verse. And uh, it encourages me, it strengthens me, it, it uh, educates me, it gives me, gives me what I need in the walk with God. Here and tonight I want to preach on what a Savior, and we see that Savior right here in verse 19. It says, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I am so grateful tonight, Lord, to be able to be saved. And Lord, then. Lord, called to preach and hear it, pastor at Glory Baptist Church and God amongst these people that you set here. And Lord, I, I'm excited about the days ahead, God, what the future holds for us. And Lord, as a Christian tonight, Lord, there's nothing at all to fear. God, there's not anything tonight, oh God, that we would even regret. God, you've been good. You've been kind. God, you've been exactly what the word of God said you would be. Lord, there's never a time, dear God, that we doubt that your God never a time we doubt that Jesus is Lord. And so, God, tonight we ask you one more time that you'd open our hearts and open our minds. Let us see tonight, God, all that you have for us. God, send a revival within our hearts, a stirring, dear God, from heaven tonight. I pray, Lord, you help us see our sin and our sinfulness. I pray tonight, God, that we'd see Jesus. God, as we look at him tonight, Lord, may our heart rejoice. God, may we be drawn unto thee tonight. May you do something in our homes, our families, our children, our grandchildren. Lord, I pray for our country tonight. I pray for even the, uh, the Floridians tonight, God, there that's having this uh, hurricane that's coming upon them now. Lord, that you'd, uh, that you'd spare, that you'd have mercy, grace. God, in the midst of all that, that you'll get glory and you'll get honor. And so we pray tonight, Lord, that you're God and you're in charge and so, Lord, we just yield to you. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And so tonight, as we are continuing on through this Colossians, uh, we come to the portion of Scripture, and 
Of course, the, some of the greatest passages in Colossians that we've already went through, and that was in that uh, verses uh, uh, 12 and 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and those verses is just telling us uh, that uh, we are to give thanks unto God uh, for what He's done for us in the way of making us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and light, and how that He has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, by whom we have the forgiveness of sin or the redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And then we went through that process or through that scripture explaining who he was. Talking about being in his kingdom, the dear son's kingdom. And how we found out that he is the creator of all things. We found out that he is before all things. We found out that he is uh, the consistence of all things. He's the controller of all things. We find that he's the preeminence. And he's the preeminence in heaven. He's the preeminence on earth. He's the preeminence in the church. And so we are grateful for that. And then we come to verse 19, and it brings forth in a thought tonight uh, that for it pleased the Father that in him, that's in Jesus, should all fullness dwell. That all fullness dwell. Well, that's a big, big, big term here tonight. I, I want to just first of all... Um, because it, it gives me a mind, a thought tonight, what pleases the Father? What pleases the Father tonight? And what pleases the Father is that Jesus tonight would be the fullness thereof. And if you study that word full, uh, you'll find that that word is a word that brings, there's no more room. That there's no more, there's no vacancy. Uh, there's no space. Uh, it's all full. And so God is saying, the Lord, the Lord uh, Jesus uh, is, is being the one who is fullness that dwell. I want you to notice tonight that not everybody believes this, though. Not everybody tonight has the mind that Jesus is the fullness of God. Uh, I think about tonight the world's thinking of Jesus. The world's thinking of Jesus. We find that in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13 and 14. You don't have to turn there. But during the days of Jesus, Jesus asked the question. He said, who does men, or who, who do they say? Who does the world say? Who does those around here say I am? And so they gave him four options of who everybody else during the days of Jesus, they said about Jesus. Number one, they said that you were John the Baptist. And then they said that you were Elias or Elisha. And then they said that you were Jeremiah. Or they said you're one of the prophets. And so that's what the world said in Jesus' day about Jesus. Now, that's not what God said the Father about Jesus. He said that Jesus was the fullness. That's not what the world says. So they're saying something different than what God says. And then I found out, what does the religions of today say concerning Jesus? What does the world think about Jesus? Well, the Hindus, or Hinduism, which is 15.16% of all the religious people in the world. That's about 1.2 million or 2 billion people. They say this about Jesus. Jesus is a 
holy man. He was a wise teacher, and he is numbered among their gods. They have 330 million gods, but Jesus is numbered amongst those gods. Uh, that's what they think that Jesus was. We find that Judaism, that's 0.18% of all the religions, is 14 million Jews. They say this about Jesus. Jesus is a teacher with many disciples and a man who performed miracles, and he drove out demons. That's what Jews say about Jesus. Now, that's not what Jesus said about Jesus. I mean, that's not what God said about Jesus, but that's what they said. Islam. Islam's 24.9% of all the religion. 1.9 billion people are in the, in the Muslim religion. They say this about Jesus. Jesus is a prophet, wise teacher. He worked miracles, and he healed many. Buddhism. Buddhism is 5.6% of all religion. That's about 506 million people who would believe this here. They say that Jesus is enlightened. He's an enlightened man and a wise teacher. Another movement that's coming about is called the New Age Movement. And they said that Jesus is an enlightened master who manifested a divine power that is potentially available to all those that enter into the New Age. They're saying that this divine power he has can come to you and become as a divine power as he was. And so that's what they're saying about Jesus. Then the non-religious or the atheist. They said they don't believe that Jesus even existed. Or if he did exist, he just existed as a man. That was it. That was 15.58% of all of the world and way of thinking today. Now we go to Christians tonight and uh, evangelical Christians tonight. Uh, there are 65% of the evangelical Christians that says this is what they believe about Jesus, that he is the first and greatest being created by God. That's 65% of the evangelical Christians. 52% of American adults say that believe, they believe Jesus was a great teacher and nothing more. 44% of the church tonight, they believe that Jesus was born man and God when he walked on the earth and he committed sins like any other person. That's what they say. 41% of the church say that Jesus is man and God and he remained sinless. Now, yet all those percentages up, it comes to about 75% of the world today gives a, gives a thought that Jesus is just a good teacher. He was a miracle worker. He was a prophet. And uh, he was just a man. Now, that's not what the Father said of the Jesus of his son, did he? He said that it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And I want to just tell you tonight that the world's thought of Jesus is not what the Father's thought of Jesus is. And I want to tell you the majority of the church tonight thought of Jesus is not what the Father's thought of Jesus is. I just want to make it real clear tonight that we are in dangerous grounds considering who Jesus is tonight, not only in the world, but in the church. Not only, not only among the atheists, but among the religions. And so tonight, I want you to see not only what the world thought of Jesus was, 
but I want you to see the Father's truth of Jesus. He says in verse 19, he says, In him should all fullness dwell. Now that means tonight what the Father is saying is that all that the Father is, the Son dwells. And understanding the Father tonight will kind of give us an understanding of what the Father is saying about Him, about Jesus tonight. And so understanding the Father, He is all creating. In other words, the Father is the creator of everything. There's nothing at all that was created that He didn't create. He created heaven, He created uh, earth, He created all the inhabitants thereof. All things is created by Him, the Father. Not only is the Father all creating, but the Father's all knowing. There's nothing the Father don't know, nothing the Father has no idea of. There's nothing at all tonight that He doesn't know within you, within the government, within the nations, within the homes, within the churches. He knows it all. There's nothing at all that you can counsel God. You can't, you can't at all bring forth a, a knowledge to Him. You can't tell Him something that He doesn't already know. You can't teach Him something that He already doesn't have the ability to do tonight. Amen. And so we find He's all-knowing. He is all-powerful. There's nothing greater and more powerful and mightier than the Father tonight. He is powerful all hell, powerful of all satanic movements and powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness tonight. He is more powerful than any nation. He's more powerful than any bullet, more powerful than any bomb. He's more powerful than any military. He's more powerful than any man. He's more powerful than any one, anything that he's ever, ever had created or didn't create. Tonight, he's all powerful. He's not all-powerful and all-knowing and all-creating, but He's all-loving. There's none that loves like the Father. There's none that loves more than the Father. There's none that loves uh, uh, like the Father. There's none that can remove His love. There's none tonight that can change His love. He's a loving Father. Number four, He is a merciful Father. I'm just understanding the Father tonight because to understand what the Father said about His Son is understanding who the Father is and knowing the Father that He is all merciful. He has full of mercy. And He's a Father tonight that has mercy, is merciful tonight. If you're going to find any mercy with anyone or anything, He is the one uh, that has mercy tonight of all mercy. We find that He is all holy. He is without sin he cannot sin. He will not sin. He'll not come into the presence of sin. Uh, tonight, He is holy. He is sacred. Tonight, He is just. He is pure. He is perfect. There's ever, never, ever has He ever done or even thought tonight or even imagined or even the intent of His heart tonight. Was there anything ever evil or wicked or ungodly? He's holy tonight. He's all present. He's everywhere at all times, at any time. There's never a time when God hasn't been. He was before the beginning. He's going to be after the ending. He's in all between. He's here. He's there. He's younger. He's, he's in heaven tonight. He's in the sea tonight. He's in the forest tonight. He's in the desert tonight. He's in church tonight. He's in your home tonight. He's in your heart tonight. He's everywhere. You'll not step anywhere. You'll not go anywhere. You'll not land anywhere without Him being there and so he's everywhere 
He's all present. He's infinite tonight. He just goes on, never ending. He is self-existent tonight. He wasn't created. He wasn't man-made. He's self-existent tonight. He's God. He is self-sufficient tonight. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need my help. He doesn't need any other help. He doesn't need the church's help. He doesn't need the government's help. He don't need man. He don't need atmosphere. He don't need uh, all, any of his creator uh, beings tonight. He needs no help. He's self-sufficient. Tonight he is eternal. Tonight he is gracious. He is truthful. He's faithful. He's wise. He's perfect. He's jealous. He's wrathful. He's long-suffering. He's righteous. He's immutable, which means he never changes. He's giving. He's strong. I could go on all night tonight with what who the Father is tonight. Now, understanding the Father, just in those few short, short words and, and those thoughts tonight, uh, not only understanding the Father, but knowing the Father. And tonight, if you're saved tonight, you'll know the Father. You'll know that what I just said or what I just described, uh, there's many other natures about him, many other attributes about him. Uh, there's many other uh, things tonight in which we could say about the Father tonight, but this is one thing that we need to know what the Father said. He said, it pleased. It pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. That means tonight, that word pleased means determined. It was the Father's determination that Jesus to be the fullness. That word pleased not only means determination, but it means decision tonight. It was the decision of the Father that Jesus would be the fullness. Now, what does the fullness mean tonight? The fullness means this, the sum total of all the divine power and attributes in nature. The sum total of all. Tonight, whatever the Father is, and whomever the Father is tonight, the Son is. He is the fullness dwell. In other words, tonight, everything that, that God the Father tonight, that you can even read about, to even know about, to even think about, to even have any sort of uh, truth about tonight, uh, the Father said, it is my decision and my determination that my Son, Him, Jesus, the Son of God, would be the fullness. All of the sum of who I am, He is. Isn't that good? Isn't that good tonight? I mean, that makes me want to shout. It pleased the Father tonight that in Jesus should all fullness dwell. Now, let's understand what dwell means. It don't mean just to reside somewhere or just to live somewhere, but this is the word with dwell, what it means tonight. It means to be at home permanently. In other words, the Father is not saying that I added to myself my son. He's not saying that. He's saying that the very essential being as the Father is, so is the Son's in its constitution. So when the Father God is the Father, is, the, is God the Son, 
So God the Father and God the Son are permanently its constitution. You can't separate the two. Now how can you separate a father from the son? You say there's no son. Guess what? That eliminates the father. But if you say there's no father, that means there's no son. So you can't eliminate father and son. And once there's a father and son, and tonight what the Bible's teaching us is so wonderful, is that this Jesus in whom we have trusted and believed in tonight is essentially tonight its constitution of him is permanent. It's dwelling, never has not been like this. There's never a time when this was not the truth, that the Father pleased him that Jesus would be uh, the very himself. If there's a scripture tonight that, that will explain and tell us that Jesus is God, this is it. I mean, you can't argue with this tonight. You can't, uh, you, you can't at all tonight uh, refute this in any way. And so we find tonight that this is given proof to us that Jesus is God. And the Lord Jesus was manifested to God, of God to man. The only way that man would know God is Jesus. And we're so excited tonight that this is true. The Father's truth of Jesus is Jesus is me. That's the Father's truth. Now the world's thinking says something different, don't it? But the truth of the Father says, as Jesus said in John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. And then he says in John chapter 14, and I think it's about verse 9, he said, you have seen the Father, you have seen me. Now, those scriptures make sense now. I mean, Fred, listen, it's, it's something tonight that you and I can look and say, man, knowing God and, and understanding the Father and understanding the Father and knowing the Father tonight, uh, we can just say it's this, it's Jesus. Now, because Jesus is God now, we come to the third point. See how fast I got to the third point? No, he got three points tonight. I want you to notice the believer's testimony of Jesus. The believer's testimony of Jesus. See, tonight the world's thinking of Jesus is going to be different than the believer's testimony of Jesus. And here it really boils down to whether you really are saved. And it boils down tonight whether we're really the church. It boils down tonight whether we're really going to heaven or not. This is, this is kind of the, the boiling point. This is kind of the, uh, the very uh, line that's drawn right here. Because, see, if Jesus was what the world says he is, we have no Savior. Right? But if Jesus is who the Father says he is, which he says it's him. And then we have a Savior. And we're so excited about that because God just said that. Now, what a Savior tonight we have. As a believer, the testimony of Jesus, you would say this as a testimony. What a Savior. What a Savior. That is going to be your heart. That will be your testimony. Uh, that will be your song. 
Uh, that will be what brings you from one day to the next. That's what's going to bring a renewing to you day by day. What a Savior. What a Savior. The Savior is God. Now, because He is the Savior, then we can go to verse 20 tonight, and it says this, And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. By Him, I say, whether they be things in earth and things in heaven. And then verse 21 says, And you, and you, that was those that are believers, that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he hath reconciled. I, I want to start here in verse 21. I want you to notice tonight in the believer's testimony is that the unbeliever is at war with God. Then tonight we've got to know that before we were believers, we were unbelievers. And while we were unbelievers tonight, we were at war with God. Now, we may have been moral, we may have been uh, obedient in the laws, uh, we may have been a good father, a good mother, we might have been a good employee, you might have been a good citizen, uh, you, you might have had great skills, and you might have been a favorite in your family, uh, you, you may have all kinds of honorable ways, and, and you may have all kinds of uh, accolades that were laid upon you tonight, but the bottom line is that you as us that were unsaved and unbelievers tonight, that the problem that you're having was, the problem it is with man tonight, is you're at war with God. And see, that you didn't do anything to be at war with God. I mean, you didn't say, okay, I'm mad at God, I'm angry with God, because many of folks are not angry with God. And many people tonight are not trying to point their finger at God or put their fist to God and say this. Uh, that's not many people, but they're not saved. So tonight, you're at war with God, and that's the beginning of the thought process toward being saved tonight, is war at God. And we find that in the Scripture in verse 21. Uh, it says that you were alienated, alienated. And so that word, that word there where it says uh, that you were sometime, that means future, past. That was your past. Former, it would mean former. So that where you're former, you're alienated. Now, being alienated means you were separate from God. Even though you heard of God, even though you have might have even liked God, uh, maybe even you have maybe had some sort of a heart towards God, the bottom line was you was alienated. That means you were separated from God. You are not of God. You're not of salvation. You're not of the truth tonight. You were alienated. And so that's what happened tonight. Whenever you come forth out of your mother's womb and as we lived in this life all over the world tonight, everyone that's an unbeliever tonight has came to the world and came into the world as an enemy of God, alienated from God, separated from God. Not do anything you did, not anything of your blame, uh, there's nothing at all that you can say, I caused me to be separated from God. That's not how that worked. You did nothing wrong. You did nothing to cause you to become enemy of God. Uh, you didn't do anything to, to say that uh, tonight, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have said that uh, tonight. None of that is does not apply uh, to any of us tonight. You were at war with God because you were separated from God. 
All right, that's just how it was. And there's nobody can say, I did that. You didn't do that. Number two, not only were you separated from God, but you were set against God. The Bible says you were enemies in your mind. Enemies in your mind. And this tonight is a set against God. You see, your thinking was sinful. That's just the way you grew up. Uh, that's just the way you were taught in school. That's just the way you, your friends and your family and your neighbors and, and all that were part of your influence and that impacted your life as you were growing up as a child and become a young adult and became one that was maybe middle-aged and, and maybe come forth and get married and have children and you went into the workforce and you began to live your life tonight. Uh, your thinking, your thinking was problematic. Because, see, at the very beginning, you were set against God because of your thinking. Your thinking because you thought that sin wasn't sinful. You thought sin was pleasurable. You thought sin was okay. You thought sin was, you know, a white little lie or a black little lie. You started classing it, right? So sin wasn't all that bad, as the preacher says. It wasn't nearly as bad as mom and daddy put it out like. It wasn't at all of that kind of way. You know, it's just part of growing up. It's part about getting and, and going out there and doing your thing, you know, and just what all young people do, uh, just what all uh, people do when they do when they get a little older and, and they go out there and sow their oats and, and they do little experiments and, and they try these little things and, and they have come up with all these little gadgets and schemes and scams. And you know what? That's just life. Okay, I, 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 okay I'll give you that tonight. That's just life. But life is a thinking about sin. You just had the wrong thinking about sin. Friend, the Bible teaches you were set against God and your thinking is sinful, but your thinking was also selfish. Your thinking was about you. Your thinking was how I can be happy, um, how I can be joyful, and what do I want in someone, and what do I want in a job, and, and when I do get paid, what do I do with that, and, and my life is my own. If I wanted to destroy it with drugs, leave me alone. If, if I want to drown my sorrows away with alcohol, if I want to live my life in pornography, if I want to be a liar, I want to be bitter, I want to be unforgiven, I, I want to be one who's full of vengeance and full of hatred, it's my life. It's just thinking. Thinking. So your thinking was sinful, your thinking was selfish, and then we find tonight in the way of this evil thinking uh, that it was satanic it was satanic it was uh, that you were very much in tune uh, with your flesh but you was also in tune with the world but as you didn't know that you were very very much following the father who was the devil of your life and you thought you was in control you thought that you had all things in order, and you thought that you were making all these decisions and choices, and you thought that you had this plan, this vision, this dream. Uh, you thought that you were going places, but you didn't know that all the thinking that was going on in your mind, it was set against God. It was satanic. Because that's what the devil would have you to do. And so we find tonight in the Scripture 
See, this makes Jesus sweeter here. We find that you're separate from God, you're set against God, but you're standing up to God. The Bible says in verse 21 uh, that it was uh, by wicked works. You see, we always know how we're thinking by your evil deeds. See, your evil deeds will reveal and manifest your thinking. See, whatever a man thinks, so is he. And so we find tonight uh, that within our minds comes from our hearts. And our hearts are wicked and evil, right? We learned that on Friday night uh, in that that study that Brother uh, Keith has given us. And so we find tonight uh, the thinking uh, now by wicked works that's evil deeds. You say, why do you do what you do? You say this, man, I just wasn't thinking. Ain't that, ain't that an excuse sometimes? You probably would say, hey, man, if I can go back in my life, I would probably do that different. That what are you thinking? Well, because now I'm thinking better. Right? I kind of got my mind wrapped around this thing. I, I was kind of not thinking too good back then. Well, because of the bad thinking, it always results in the evil deeds. You're doing what you're doing. Evil is because of your thought process. But not only does it create evil deeds, but we find also in our lives uh, that we produce hurtful words. Hurtful words. And so we find in our lifetime uh, that we say things, uh, we, we mention things, we blurt out things, we, we speak with anger, or we speak with deception, or we speak with sarcasm. However it may come forth, tonight you'll know that that's a mind issue and that evil mind or evil thoughts is, works out evil works. And so we find as we stand up against God because of our deeds, because of our words, and because of our actions, we have wrong actions. We're rebellious. We're stubborn. We won't take correction. Nobody can be critical of us. Nobody's going to tell us what to do. Nobody's going to get on to us. I will not receive discipline. Don't tell me I was wrong. Don't don't remind me uh, of who I am and where I'm going. Uh, uh, This is just full of of hatred and bitterness in the heart of each one of us tonight. And friend, if you're not saved, you're still like that. You're still tonight, if you're not saved, you're still in a place of standing up against God. And you're still in a place where you're separated from God. And you're still in a place tonight uh, where you are one that just will not at all uh, understand and make it clear uh, that I'm just set against God. I'm against His Word. I'm against His church. I'm against His children. I'm against His parents i'm against my parents that love god i'm against my parents who teach the word of god i'm against my parents who go to church i'm against my parents who want me to do right i'm against my my parents who just won't allow me to be what i want to be and that's evil and wrong and ungodly and so those things tonight i stand up against and so that's what it is tonight when you're at war with god amen And so I'm so glad tonight that Paul gave us this understanding and clarity about 
what the unbelievers at war with God, and, and boy, it makes it perfect clear to me. But then my number two, I want you to know it's not only the unbeliever is at war with God, but the believer is at peace with God. The believer is at peace with God. We see that in the scripture. We see that verse 20, and having made peace. So if you don't really understand you are at war with God, and then when you get when you come to the place and be at peace with God, it's not that sweet. Right? It's when you know you're at war with God. Man, I was separated from God. I was set against God, and I stood up against God. It was, it was seen by my thoughts, my thinking, and by my wicked works. Oh, but one day. One day I became a believer. And by becoming a believer, I'm now at peace with God. What a Savior. What a Savior tonight. And I want you to notice tonight, having made peace. You didn't make peace. You can't make peace. You're the enemy. He is the one who made peace. It was God that initiated. It was God that took the first step. It was God that went to you. It was the God that found you. It was God tonight that said that he wanted to have peace with you. Not that you had peace, that you wanted peace with God. Listen tonight, it's not God that needs to be reconciled. It's you that needs to be reconciled. And so tonight we find that as a believer, we're at peace with God. Now you ought to rejoice over that night tonight, dear believer. You ought to know uh, that, that the whole world tonight is at war with God, but you can have peace with God. I would rather live, I lived 25 years with a war with God, and I've lived the rest of my life tonight at peace with God, and I'm going to tell you tonight it's a lot better with the peace with God than with the war with God. Amen? And so I see tonight in this having peace with God is, is such a blessing tonight. I want you to know it's the place of peace. Where did that happen? Where did that take place at? You say, well, it took place in my home. It took place at the altar. I was just driving down the street one day, and, and it took place there. Where I was at war with God, and now I'm at peace with God. Uh, where, uh, it took place maybe at, at work, maybe out there in the woods, or, or maybe out there, maybe you're just working in the house, and, and you just got peace with God. That's not the place where peace took place. The Bible says in the scripture, the place of peace is through the blood of his cross. You see, this peace tonight was his cross. That's where from war to peace was settled. That's where it was all taken care of. It wasn't the sinner's cross. It wasn't your cross. It wasn't the cross that you need to wear. It's not the cross that you need to exalt. It's not the cross tonight that you need to elevate. It's not the cross tonight that you need to magnify. It's not the world's cross. It's not Satan's cross. Hey, friend, it's Christ's cross. It's Jesus' cross. It's his cross tonight where you and I have found that we have found the place of peace, and it's at the cross. Where does someone need to go who's at war with God? they got to go to the cross. Where will you have peace with God at the cross? 
Where do I need to go, brother? I'm tired of fighting the battle. I'm tired of living the lie. I'm tired tonight of just thinking I'm saved and I'm not. Where do I need to go? You need to go to the cross. It's his cross tonight. At the cross. Now, at the cross tonight is where he uh, shed his blood. It says there in verse 20, through the blood of his cross. It was the blood of God tonight. God's blood tonight that was shed on the cross of Calvary. And tonight it was that blood that took that war that you had with God. And it was God through that blood tonight that brought peace into your life. The blood of the Lamb of God. Not the blood of goats. Not the blood of bulls. Not, the, not any of the prayers that you pray, not of the baptisms or the church memberships, none of the good works and good looks. It's the blood, the pure blood, the perfect blood, the plenteous blood, the blood of God himself tonight as he comes to his cross and as he shed his blood so that you and I tonight can have peace Amen. with him. Amen. Amen. What a Savior. What a Savior. Number two, he, through his blood, shed his, or shed his blood. But I notice he gave his body. The Bible says in verse 22, in the body of, his, of the flesh through death. He gave his body. So in order for you to have peace tonight, was there a sacrifice? For you to have peace tonight with God, it, was there any suffering or was there anything tonight uh, that you could just imagine uh, what had to be given for your peace? His body. His body tonight. And in his body tonight, he didn't just go and give his body to be suffered for just a moment or two and then be healed and move on. It wasn't just a suffering uh, that could just be for maybe an hour or so. And then he is now the rest of his life. He was kind of limping or he was kind of hurt or he was kind of maimed. No, no. He suffered unto death. He gave up his life. He gave 100% of who he was. He gave all that he is. He came to the place and he looked at an enemy. He looked at one who was alienated from him. He looked at one tonight who was set against God, that was separated from God, that stood up against God, one that had wicked works and an evil thought mind. And it was one tonight that he said, God said, he said, I'm going to go to my cross, and at my cross I shed my blood, and when I shed my blood I give my body so that I may die so they can have peace. What a Savior. I know it's Wednesday, just leave me alone. We find tonight, not only was the place of peace, but I noticed the power of peace. I noticed there in verse 20, the Bible says, to by him to reconcile all things unto himself. God said that Jesus is the fullness dwelling. And so that means tonight that God the Father is God the Son. And God the Son came to the altar, came to the cross, I mean. And he gave his body, he gave his blood so that he can reconcile. That means that those are at war with him unto himself. God gave so they could come to God. 
Not that God gave that they could come to God for just a little while. To come to God for just a short period of time. To come to God as long as you want to stay with God. And come to God as long as you feel like with God. As long as you want to just have this Christian life and then leave or part or whatever you want to do. Oh no. The Bible said that this God who died on this cross. He gave his blood and he gave his body to reconcile us unto himself. Amen. And that was for eternity. Ain't that good? And so we find tonight as we look at the scripture, we say, where's the place of peace? The cross. Where's the power of peace? Reconciliation. Reconciliation, that's the power. Reconcile. Reconcile. Again, God didn't need to be reconciled. But we needed to be reconciled. You cannot be tonight any further away from the Father than we were. You're at the other end. I mean, you're so far away tonight as we look at the Scripture tonight uh, and we see uh, that there in that verse 20, he says, uh, what, uh, to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, uh, we see tonight that the power of peace is in the reconciliation. Now turn your, keep your finger there, but turn to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5 with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And here's another place where reconciliation is mentioned. He says there in that verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself. Now, understanding Colossians here, let's put those words in right terms. It says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And so, who reconciled to who? Jesus reconciled unto God. That's what it says. But Jesus is God. He reconciled unto himself. I like it. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing the trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And we find tonight how far away were we? Well, God is holy, and guess what we are? Unholy. I mean, you can't get no more, there's no more distance between holy and unholy. I mean, that's far apart. Uh, God is righteous. And we're unrighteous. I mean, there's a distance between those. You can't get no further apart. And then God uh, is just, and we are unjust. And so tonight we can go, we got a lot of those terms that we can just continue on. And so you and I, when we came to the place of salvation, we came to the place of being born again tonight. Uh, I don't know if we really realize and understand how far that we were as an enemy alienated in our thoughts by wicked works. And it was God who said, who did, and said, I will reconcile by reconciliation so that you that are unholy will be holy. So you that are unrighteous will be righteous and you that are unjust will be just. My reconciliation did that. I reconciled. And so tonight... It's not like 
you who is unholy says, you know what, I've got to just, I've got to change. I've got to make a difference in my life. That's not reconciliation. You say, well, you know, I was, I'm, just, I'm just sorry, you know, and I won't be sorry no more. I want to get it right. I want to do right. And uh, what i got to do, preacher? We just pray and ask Jesus into your heart and start living the life of a Christian. But that's not reconciliation. You see, reconciliation happened on the cross. And it happened with his blood. And it happened with his body. So you and I tonight cannot reconcile unto God. It's him reconciling us. And that word reconcile means to change. To change. And so we find tonight that, that the reconcile, it means sin forgiven. See, that's reconciliation tonight. That's how we can come to God because our sins are forgiven. And without a forgiveness of sin tonight, we're still separated. We're still set apart and we're still standing up against. We're still an enemy of God without the forgiveness of sin. And the forgiveness of sins is only when you come voluntarily as you've been invited to the cross. And when you come to the cross, now you can have your sins forgiven which is reconciliation. And once your sins are forgiven, you'll find that your life is changed. There's nobody in this room tonight who ever had your sins forgiven and changed not. That don't go together. When your sins are forgiven, there is a change. It, it works together. That's what reconciliation means. It means sins forgiven. It means now the sinner is changed. And you don't change. He changes you. You don't stop being a drunk. He stops you from being a drunk. You don't stop from being jealous. He stops you from being jealous. You see, it's his reconciliation of us. And he's changing us. He changes the sinner. He forgives the sin. And then the saint of God is filled with his spirit. And friends, that's what reconciliation is all inclusive of. Sins forgiven, sinner changed, the saint filled. The Holy Ghost of God indwelled. The beginning of a sanctification. The justification is on reconciliation. You're now justified and now you begin to get sanctified. And one of these days you'll be glorified. Amen? But that process tonight is only going to take place whenever you, as a sinner tonight, comes to the cross, and at the cross will the reconciliation begin. And it begins with the sins being forgiven. Have you ever had your sins forgiven? I didn't ask you, did you ask for forgiveness? That's not what I'm asking. Have you had your sins forgiven? Have you had your sins pardoned? Can you sit right here tonight with all honesty and just completely be transparent and say, I know with a shadow of a doubt that one day, someday, years ago, months ago, days ago, that he forgave me. I've been reconciled. And not only have I been reconciled, but I've been changed. And I've been changed. I've been changed. I'm not the same. I, I, know we, I, I can't tell you all what happened to me. I can't tell you anything tonight, what even made me change. But all I know is I've changed. 
And all I could say is he's the one who changed me. And not only that tonight, but I'm filled with his spirit. I mean, there is a power within me. There is an influence upon me. There is an impact in my life. And it is real. And I know that it's real because every day of my life, when I do do wrong, it just brings conviction. And whenever I do need some direction, it just leads me. The Spirit of God is well alive in my life. Have you experienced this reconciliation tonight? Man, my heart desires that you would. And man, if you would tonight, you'll find that the saint is now holy and righteous and just. Now here's the purpose of this peace tonight. This is where it gets good. I mean, I, I believe in a dead old Baptist would probably shout at this. But what's the purpose of peace? What is the purpose? We, we found the place of it. We found the power of it. But how about the purpose of it? Well, we find that in verse 22. He says, to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. In whose sight? God's sight. Jesus' sight. Can't separate the two. So, my, what, what, are you, what are you saying, brother? I'm just saying that the purpose of this peace, because, see, man is at war with God. You don't need to be reconciled, or God doesn't need to be reconciled. you got to be reconciled. So God don't conquer his enemy. God had every right whenever you were at war with him, to take you down. God had every right to take you out. Didn't you hear a while ago who God was? He's all-powerful. And do you really think tonight you could stand in a fight with him? Do you really think tonight that you can last in a war? I mean, it'd be foolish tonight to say, hey, I'm going to come up against God and I'm going to whoop him. Man, that would be like, you're crazy. But you know, God had every right tonight to conquer every one of his enemies. And as soon as we come out of the womb, he could have conquered us. And as soon as we came at the age of, of accountability, he could have conquered us. And as soon as we went out and began to live lives that don't please him, he could have conquered us. And as soon as we thought that we were successful and prosperous, got children, got wives, got things, got cars, got money, got all, he could have just said, that's it, I'm done with you. No, God could have just, any time that he wanted to, just withdraw his breath that he lets us borrow, stop the blood from running in our veins. He, he could have said, okay, brain, just stop, stop thinking, and it would stop. Organs quit, and it would quit. Anything and everything that God would ever spoke to, whether it's you or anyone else tonight or anything in this whole world, it would obey. But he didn't conquer his enemies. What he did, he changed his enemies. He reconciled his enemies. He said, I'm not going to just get rid of them. I'm going to change them. And tonight, not only did he change his enemies, rather than conquering his enemies, but he commended his enemies. And look at this here, in that word there, that word present, in verse 22, to present you, that word present means to commend. And so now he commends you not as an enemy, but as a friend. As a friend. 
That reconciliation there, it means to change you from an enemy to a friend. And tonight we find that at one time we were an enemy, but now because of reconciliation, we find ourselves as one that is a friend. The word to present you, not only does it mean tonight to come in, but it means to stand beside you. To stand beside you. It means tonight to recommend you, and it means to aid you. Stick with me now. I know we got a few minutes left. The purpose of peace. So as he is speaking to us tonight, he says, I've reconciled you, and now you have the peace of God. But in doing that, I'm going to stand right by you, and he's going to tell us of our standing in God. Because he says, in his sight. So right now, right now, as God is looking at you, this is your standing. Jesus is next to you. Jesus is aiding you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is one here tonight that is presenting you. He's presenting you before the Father, who's himself. There's three things that he's presenting you as. Number one, he's presenting you holy. In your standing tonight, as God is in his, you're in his sight, and Jesus is the one that's next to you, aiding you, and he's the one tonight that is near and next to you, as God would look at you tonight, he would see you and he'd say, holy. <laughs> how? How can that happen? Reconciliation. What a Savior. What a Savior. Separated from sin and devoted to God. At one time you were filthy, dirty, rotten, sorry, no good. And now today, right now in 2022, you now present you as pure. Pure. So, brother, what are you saying? I'm saying when God the Father looks upon you right now, he says, pure. And the reason why he says pure is because you've been reconciled. Because of the blood of the Lamb tonight. Because of the body of Christ tonight. And Fred, tonight you may not feel holy. And you might not think you're holy. And you might think tonight that you are not all that you ought to be. But I'm telling you tonight, in his sight, you're pure tonight. That's your standing. That's your standing tonight. And everywhere you go, when you go out there, and you go home, you go to work, and you go to, to, to places that you, wherever you go tonight, whoever you see tonight, and whatever you do tonight, listen, in the standing of God, and God's everywhere, in His sight tonight, He looks down at you. He don't say filthy. He don't say dirty. He don't say, oh, you need a problem. You got a problem. You got an issue. Hey, you need to get it straightened out. You know what He says? He says, pure. And Jesus right next to you. I want to get saved again. Oh, we find tonight, he presents you, he commends you, 
in God's sight tonight as pure, but he, he presents you in God's sight as perfect. Listen, when somebody tells you you're not perfect, you say, I know I'm not perfect, but Jesus is perfect. And when God sees me, he sees Jesus. And so because of that, my standing with God tonight is perfect. I am perfect. Amen. That's my standing. Now, I know, and you know, and you know me, and I know you tonight. Uh, we're not perfect, but we are perfect in standing night with God. And that word unblameable, you see where it says that in verse 22? And unblameable. This is Jesus presenting you, commending you to God in his sight. And tonight, he would bring you up to God. He would say to God, this one here is perfect. It's spotless. He's faultless. She's blameless. There's absolutely nothing in her. She's unblameable. There absolutely is nothing, my father, that you can point to, that you can say of, father, that you can even think of tonight, that there would be something wrong with this one tonight. You and you and you and you and God the Father will look at God the Son. He said, you're right. I don't see anything blameable about her. That's your standing tonight. Pure, perfect. Don't tell me tonight. What a sake. What a sake. And thirdly tonight, we notice he says in the way of presenting that we are going to present you proven. God the Father, this one here is proven. What do you mean? Well, I'm presenting to you tonight in your eyes and your sight that he's unreprovable. Unreprovable. There's no accusation at all that can be toward them. There's absolutely no charge from anyone, from anybody. It's unreprovable. This one here, I'm telling you, Lord, my Father, this one here has been reconciled by my blood at my cross and in my body. Tonight I present to you, I commend to you, as I stand near and I stand next, as I aid and help, pure, perfect, and proven. That's what you are tonight. What a Savior. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. You walk out of here tonight. You better walk out of here tonight as somebody. You ain't a nobody. You got 75% of this world tonight that says Jesus is not what the Father says Jesus is. But every believer that says what Jesus says, what the Father says he is, you're going to find that Jesus is representing you, commending you. Father, here they are. Here they are. Pure, perfect, and proven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Let's stand to our feet tonight. That ought to encourage your heart. There's only three other times when this word is used tonight about being about being tonight in the way of, of being unblameable, about being pure or perfect. It's used by the Lamb in First Peter. He's perfect. And it's used by the Savior in Hebrews 9 is perfect. And then it's used by the church in Ephesians chapter 5. Tonight, it's just you as well. And here's the thought. Here's, here's my last comment. What a Savior. What a salvation. 
What a life. You see, being full tonight of Jesus is because Jesus is full of God. And because Jesus is full of God, and God is full of life. And life is full of joy. And peace. And hope. And faith. And that's tonight why without Jesus, you just have trouble. You just have heartache. You have pain and suffering. You have depression and anxiety. Because you don't have the fullness in your life. Can you say tonight, I'm full? I'm full. I'm full. If you can't tonight, would you come? Come to the altar tonight and say, I want to be full. I want to be full of him that's full. Him that's full of God, that's Jesus. And I want him to be in me so I can be full. Are you full tonight? I'm so full. God's filled my life up. God's filled my life up. Tonight I'm full. It's like that song, my cup is running over. It's off into this. I guess it talks about being in the saucer. I don't know about you tonight. But I don't know. It's just God has been so good to fill, to fill me up. And I'm not talking about with things and money and, and all that junk. I'm talking about with him. Are you full tonight with him? Can you walk out of here and say, boy, I tell you, I'm full. Can't get no more of him. I like it that way. Anybody tonight? Don't leave lost. Don't leave empty. Leave full. Anybody? We'll, we'll pray. All right. Any prayer requests tonight? Any prayer requests? Yeah, brother.
God's banner red in blood, oppression, misery, where smoke and vapor stood, burnt sacrificially. The sacrificial fire ascending to the skies of dreadful human offerings, who there won the prize. The dreadful burning fires, the shining stakes alight, the shame which Zion bears, God's people ne'er affright. O Savior, Lord of heaven, of earth and sky and sea, thanks for e'er that us is given, this heritage from thee. No!